Welcome to episode 87 of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies, plus tips, apps, and gear. I am your host, Dave Ginsberg, and my co-host, Warren Sklar, is here. How are you doing, Warren? Hey, Dave. I am here. Thank you. Uh, I am doing good, and how are you? Doing well. And also, we have a guest this week. I'm very excited to, to welcome Shelley Brisbane, the author of the iOS Access for All book. Uh, welcome to the show, Shelley. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the show here. And this is a great book, and we're going to get to some very much in depth of what you uh, did and what there is all about accessibility. I've always been interested in knowing about a little more about accessibility and how uh, and how iOS works with it. We've talked about it a number of times here on the show in the past, but I think this is going to be a great uh, a great show for everybody to, to really learn some more things you may not know about what. Uh, Accessibility is out there. Uh, I would assume you would, you would agree with that. Uh, anytime I can talk about accessibility, especially to an audience that hasn't heard a lot about it, I'm happy. So I'm yeah. glad to be here. Good, good. Well, we're happy to be here. And, uh, and well, of course, we have some new stories and stuff, and Shelly's going to uh, join in with us as well, and uh, we'll just have a lot of fun here. So let's uh, let's go ahead and just uh, dive right into what we're going to talk about this week. Um, there's uh, two new stories uh, this week, actually. The iPhone 11 was the second best-selling smartphone globally in 2019, and then the iPhone 10R was the number one-selling smartphone globally in 2019. Uh, two articles, uh, Apple Insider as well as uh, 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 9to5Mac had uh, articles here talking about uh, uh, how how the top selling uh, uh, smartphones for 2019 and, and incredibly enough, the 10 R, which is, you know, a model that's what now almost two years old is just taken off into the market. Uh, and just, uh, it's just amazing with a 3.0 market share versus the iPhone 11 with 2.1. Um, Warren, what do you think about this? Yeah. I, um, I tried to uh, argue with you the other day saying that I didn't think Apple was selling the, uh, yes, you did NR anymore <laughs> because it's, you know, it's why would they have I'm actually surprised they're going to sell this 10 R and the 11 kind of at the same time, they're sort of competing phones, I think. Yeah. So, but they're still selling, they're it. still selling both of them. Um, and, uh, and look what happened. Look what happened. <laughs> my, my guess is, um, you know, inventory, is still laying around and uh you know a lot of uh yeah. phone companies like to you know discount them so my guess is they were heavily discounted and uh they sold and that's great they're good phones and more power to them um yeah, yeah. and jelly what did you think i i i, I well, we'll find out what kind of equipment you have in a minute because we always do that with our new guests. Well, spoiler and, uh, alert, I, I do but, have a 10R. I'm a proud 10R right, owner. great. Perfect. Red. So this is even a good article for didn't you. Ask, but it's red. <laughs> um, the 10R was actually doing really well right. even before the 11 came out. And it, it's not surprising it that Apple would kind of keep up yeah. the 10R. They always want to have a slightly lower tier. And as, as Warren said, the discounting, the carrier, my carrier certainly discounting. And, and almost immediately sure. after the 11s came out, they were off, pretty much offering me a free 10R. And I was like, well, no, thanks. I have one. But it's a it's a good <laughs> phone. And, and I think the problem that with is. the 10R is that a lot of people in the sort of Apple pundit community immediately discounted it because they were buying the 10X, mm-hmm. the 10S Max and the 10S models. And the 10R right. was, I, I euphemistically call it the wife phone because every podcaster I know who's a dude uh, said, oh yeah, my wife has a 10R and I have the bigger one. And, and I'm like, hello, I, I, am a, I am a certified Apple pundit and I have a 10R because I like to save money. And That's I feel okay. like the 10R and the 11 are both good phones. I'm sure the 10R will fall yes. off at the end of, 
this cycle, but um, it, it, either of those phones, if somebody said to me which to buy, I'd say either one, depending on your price sensitivity. 11's got a slightly better I, camera, but they're basically, they're, they're really solid phones. And I think it's proof that yeah. Apple priced some of their higher end phones a little too high because so many people wanted the 10Rs. This is true. And in fact, uh, a coworker of mine asked, asked me today, as a matter of fact, where do you think, uh, which phone do you think I should get? Uh, Cause he has the six. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're way overdue. My friend, you but need think to think how happy he's going to be when he gets the new. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's going to be so much faster. But they still have the eight uh, out there at the Apple stores. Too. They, do. Yes, they do. So like, so when people ask us what phone did I suggest, I mean, generally you like to say, you know, generally anything Apple's kind of sell at the store, it should be fine. But I'd be I'd be a little cautious recommending an eight to anybody at this point. Oh yeah, I wouldn't at this point. So I recommended actually the eleven. I thought I just tell them, you know, what, most many carriers are actually offering. Like I know T-Mobile was offering buy one get one free, or you could buy get two free ones if you sign the contract. And um, so I know there's a lot of deals out there for the eleven. So that's why the eleven stayed up with it i think um so i said yeah the iphone 11 he and he he appreciated that so um uh and it's a newer model and i definitely think it's uh it, he'll be happy for sure so um let's uh, move on to the next story and we talked about this yesterday warren during the mac to the future is the uh uh the apple tells movie makers that villains cannot use iphones <laughs> i found this to Love be it's hilarious. So this was uh, the article was in Ars Technica. Um, Apple does not uh, let filmmakers show villains villains using iPhones on camera. A movie director, uh, Rian uh, Johnson, said in, a, in an interview with Vanity Fair. Uh, but they will let iPhones in movies uh, if they're not if they're in a very pivotal uh, scene, <laughs> or if even if ever. If it was, I was saying it's uh, even if we're a mist, watch a mystery movie, bad guys cannot have iPhones on camera. I found this to be just interesting. So, so here's my question. <laughs> so, so I watched yeah, some Apple TV Plus originals, but not a lot of them. Yeah. Everything I saw, somebody had an iPhone. So if there's a villain in an Apple TV Plus show, what phone do they get? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. That's actually. And I'm thinking back to, um, I'm thinking back to the morning show where, I. Yeah, Didn't everybody they all had have iPhones. iPhones? I, I mean, think they all had they iPhones, and they had so the point like, of that show is that everybody's kind of ambiguous. Anyway, there was not like I mean, there are there are obviously people that are right. that are worse people than other people, but but there was a lot of dark in most of the characters in that show. Right, you're trying to like you know maybe like uh, Steve Carell's character yeah. would be the villain, but then Apple right. said, well, you know he wasn't that bad, so he got some iPhone. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're making exceptions to the yeah, rule. How how bad do you have to be? I guess uh, to, to wear the Apple logo, I guess is a question. Um, and yeah, I think it also the article I read or heard the other day was it also extends to um, computers because there was something saying that the, there was there's yeah. a show where the good guys were using Macs and the bad guys were using Windows. So it, it's it's obviously across the board. Yeah, we, we actually, we linked it to, I linked to two articles. Um, uh, 9 to 5 Mac was, uh, the, uh, was the ultimate explorer uh, for movies, uh, the director from Knives Out, um, uh, which also, he oh, he did Knives Out. What am I thinking, talking about? So kind of a different perspective on two different articles here. But uh, it, uh, it, uh, yeah, and that Knives Out was a great movie too. I don't know if either of you saw that, but uh, yeah, um, I did. Great movie. 
Yeah, it was really good. So, so um, spoil the ending for Shelly or no? Oh, don't do that. <laughs> who who no, didn't have the do iPhone? That. That's all. Nope. I think that's in that article. I can't remember what the, what they said, but Tim Cook was a good guy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, next story we had. Uh, uh, again, this was in Ars Technica. Uh, there was a flaw in billions of Wi-Fi devices left in communications open to eavesdropping. Um, Cypress and Broadcam chips uh, bug hit iPhones, Macs, Android devices, Echoes, and more. Um, and they said billions of them, which have already been patched, were affected by this vulnerability um, that allowed nearby attackers to decrypt sensitive data over the air. Um, and they, they say they're still they're still not 100% patched. Uh, Warren, did you... Did you uh, to see this article because it does give a list of some of the devices in especially in iphones uh ipads for that matter i heard i heard somebody talking about this morning on a podcast so i'm looking at the article now but you know the the things that always stand out to me is when when we get these kind of things is researchers said on wednesday at the rsa security conference and that's all i RSA, that's yeah. all i need to know is basically is uh it's uh you know scientists uh with 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 uh, degrees have discovered this and it's not <laughs> John across the street who had his uh, iPhone hacked. So, um, right. you know, people are discovering vulnerabilities all the time and that's good. And that's how we fix them before they become sure. problems. Yep. They were, they were established. It was actually established in the, in the standards for uh, as a vulnerability last year. So, um, Jenny, any thoughts on this show? It feels like the, people who have to worry the least will be iPhone users because Apple can patch software. Uh, but yeah. the people that are going to, the, the issue is going to come for random devices like echoes. And, and I say that because the, the, the level of, of scrutiny, even if I, even if Amazon was pushing some sort of software update to you, I doubt very seriously that my yeah. echo dot is going to get the attention that the Apple iPhone will. And I think just in general, True. it reminds us, uh, trust but verify when it comes to communication over networks and specifically wireless networks. And if you've got something that you want encrypted, uh, find a way to encrypt it other than assuming that the the hardware device itself will do it, whether it's a VPN or, you know, some other, yeah. some other means, but uh, be afraid, be very afraid is always the message. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, then the last story we had uh, this week is uh a, a report out today, this was on 9to5Mac, is uh, the fact that Apple may be releasing a iPad Pro smart keyboard with a built-in trackpad this year. And this actually I thought was interesting, the fact, because for accessibility, of course, having a, a touchpad or a mouse. Um, and this is uh, Apple's planning. They say they're planning to release an iPad keyboard with the built-in trackpad this year uh, with the new iPads more supposedly coming out uh you know the rumors are right now march the end of this uh, end of march will be announcing it so um and they even say here and here then it may even be they may even be developing a uh, backlit keyboard as well uh shelly what do you think about the trackpad thing seems like a natural extension of the apple pencil uh for Mm. me it's an anti-accessibility thing because i don't like trackpads i don't use them very well Ah, but for other folks i think it actually it would be a great accessibility tool because it might be easier for you to work on the touchpad trackpad than it is on a on a full screen and uh you know i i I think it's great i think i've seen people use apple pencils in ways that i never suspected could be done like editing podcasts and fair right and stuff like that and and if you had a trackpad it just seems like you would make more of that kind of thing possible to people for people who don't want to invest in a pencil or or maybe even who have an ipad that doesn't support one 
and uh, we, uh, my, our, my, our coverage of uh, CES, uh, we, uh, I actually visited the, the Bridge uh, booth, and of course they're coming mm-hmm. out with a keyboard uh, touchpad, which was amazing device. I mean, the keyboard just felt so nice. Um, so you know, so interesting. You know, could we say Apple is maybe Sherlocking Bridge already? Happened before. before. They even come out with the product. <laughs> it, it has. It has. It has. So Warren, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to mention a Bridge keyboard, which. Um, it's getting good reviews on and of course bridge sued some no-name chinese company before that uh because they were about to do something like that too uh before bridge uh, had it coming out um and what you know what i think personally is that it might be good for accessibility but it's not a great uh, the ipad still does not make a a great trackpad um mouse device with the way it's set up um, it's still clunky. It's still more for accessibility. It's not really yeah. to switch around. I mean, you can't really switch around with the apps. You can't really do uh, the pointer in all the apps, uh, especially some of them that you know I would like to have a pointer in, uh, such as like sure. Google desktops and things like that. Um, so it's not there yet. So I, I think Apple, if they're doing this, is a good thing because they'll. Um, you know they'll polish the uh, the uh, mouse trackpad uh, feature of iOS a little bit more. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, we we'll hope so. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens with well, the bridge keyboard for sure. We know is coming out uh, in April, uh, so it's going to be. Uh, uh, interesting to see what happens. So that's the news coverage we had for this week. Uh, let's move into topics and. As I always do with uh, with a new guest that comes on our show, um, uh, we always have to find out what our our guests have when it comes to iOS devices. And of course, she already hinted, Shelly already hinted that she has a a, a ten uh, the XR, the iPhone XR, and it's red. red. I actually have a red one too. I have I have a, I have a beta one I use that's just like yours. Um, but uh, Shelly, tell us so uh, what uh, can you go ahead and tell us about your iPhone again and. Uh, and what, sure. what makes it the good so i have the red 10r which i like very much uh it's, it's the right size for me all that good stuff um it's and yeah. uh let's see i have an ipad pro i have a 12.9 i i uh oh, nice. my day job is at a, a radio show and i found that right, it was right. really helpful to use an ipad as a teleprompter so that when i had to go on air and do live uh things it was it was easier for me to use an ipad because i could put it on a stand mm-hmm. The, basically a boom arm like you would use for a microphone so that I could put it yeah. really close to my face. And there's great apps out there for teleprompter functions on the iPad. So for a while I was bringing my own iPad and I would also take it to meetings because I wanted to raise mm-hmm. the screen up to a level that was with eye level, which I couldn't do with a laptop. And so uh, one day the uh, IT guy comes over and he says, hey, I've got something for you. And he gave me a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, which I now use as my teleprompter and my meeting machine. I feel extremely fortunate and blessed. And then um, I have an older 9.7-inch iPad Pro that is kind of my home living room machine. And that's got 256 uh, gigs in it so that I can put a lot of movies on it. And I take that with me if I'm traveling. There you go. So those are my iOS devices. That's that's a perfect device to have for that. I mean, you got a ton of space. That's awesome. Yeah, that that iPad's gonna last you a, oh, yeah. you know, a good I, long time. That's that's the thing that makes me happy about it. I people always buy the newest things, and it's always fun to have the newest things. But iPads particularly have lasted yeah. me a long time. I actually have an old iPad Air two that's kind of. Sure. I think I probably need it's to give it to a nephew. He's he's been looking at it lately, like he wants it. So <laughs> it's probably about time. Hmm, I like that. 
Um, and do you have Apple Watch or, uh, or Apple TV at I all? do. I just got an Apple Watch. I got a Series 4 oh, nice. just last fall. Okay. I am fundamentally I incredibly cheap. And I had the opportunity to buy <laughs> a right. Series 4 from a friend. The Series 4 was the first time I seriously considered it. Yeah. And there were a couple okay. reasons for that. The, the big screen, bigger screen was an issue for me because I am visually impaired. And so seeing mm-hmm. a tiny watch screen was something I was kind of afraid wouldn't be possible. Then I went and looked at the Series 4 and... I really liked it, but I was cheap. So I waited till this year after the Series 5 came out and somebody okay. I knew who wanted a Series 5 sold me his Series 4 for a good deal. And uh, I've I've been really happy with it. I've made some, used all the, most of the accessibility features on the Apple Watch I've used. And I've also been very careful about what faces I've chosen because if I get too many complications, sure. I can't see them all. But um, I, I was, I was really concerned that it wasn't going to work for me. And I had a, mm. uh, a recipient in mind if it didn't, but I've been, pretty pleased with it <laughs> yeah with the faces actually you know what i did my i never thought for, at all my mother-in-law was never tech savvy at all and uh, we decided to to buy her an apple watch and uh she was having a lot of frustration with the, the, the faces and I, I don't think she'd ever want to change any of the faces on it so what i did was i just deleted all the faces from the app so it doesn't share only the one face so it never changes because you know, you know we'd always deal with that where the face just you hit it it's and too it, easy it's to swipe to and move to a different one you know, which I think is. is a feature, but I can see how that would be a bug. I consider getting my mom one partly because yeah. of the fall detection and the, the heart so That's stuff. what we got for her, too. And yeah. I'm a little afraid that it might not work for her, but I think that is a strategy I would use, too, is, like, find the face, probably the one with the biggest analog display possible, because that's she would, yeah. she would think of it as a timepiece, and then the fall detection would kind of be for our peace of mind as much as anything. Yeah. Uh, well, just so you know, Apple, uh, Warren and I are very much early adopters. We buy the new things every year, and, and Warren even is more so extreme. He buys everyone every other day. I always tease him about that, but uh, uh, we both have uh, the I'll 10, my the 11. Comes out. <laughs> That's right. You'll be getting that trackpad uh, right away, too, that keyboard. Yeah. Oh, we both have 11 Pro Maxes, yeah. and yeah. Uh, so, that, yeah, we're, we're definitely, uh, we have that, and uh I have the Series 4, of course. He has a Series 5. I, I waited. It's one of the first times I've actually waited and not uh, upgraded to the, the next one right you away. You guys are and, missing uh, out on the always-on display and the compass. So there's yeah. that. I, okay. don't, I, I, uh, don't, I don't really get the attraction of the always-on display, to be really honest. I don't, yeah. It doesn't matter to me. I <laughs> shake my wrist and it turns on. I don't want it always on. I, yeah. I, I, I thought yeah. I would think that would be a bug, but that's just me. <laughs> it's um, I, I, Honestly, I could have... I got it because uh, of reasons, but I could have not got it just as easily. It's it's one of the few newer products. Like it's one of the few products that is new that I wasn't saying to myself, I'm definitely getting that thing until it happened. But uh, I would, I would be very happy with a series four as well. They're both good. I would not go to series three or below. Let's, 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 let's put it right. like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, if you gave me one, I might, but I wouldn't buy one, no. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, uh, definitely, de- definitely that, and do, do you dabble in Apple TV at all? I have one, uh, I got the, uh, I don't have the, the HD, uh, the 4K, uh, I have the one, why am I trying, why am I blanking on the, the, the fourth, yeah, they fourth have. gen, right, but, fourth yeah, gen. I, mm-hmm. I have it, and I use it some, my, my husband and I are on different computer platforms. And so our mm. media serving situation is kind of weird. And sometimes I watch the Apple TV and sometimes I watch the 
Linux server that he's put Cody on. So there's no like <laughs> one device to rule them all in our house. There's just a bunch of HDMI cables coming out of the receiver and one of them goes sure. to an Apple TV. So I, I, what I do more than anything with it is I airplay to it. And I do sure. like the Apple TV is one of the better things that we have from an accessibility point of view, because if I'm across yeah. the room, I can't see what's on the television. So I actually use voiceover much more on the Apple TV than I do on my phone or my okay. watch. But uh, even so, I don't watch it as much as I probably could. And at some point, I should probably do more home hub stuff with it. But, uh, you know, it's there. I'm glad I have it. Uh, it was ex- it was more yeah. expensive than it should have been, but, I, but I'm glad I have it. And, you know, I'll, prob- I'll probably keep going with it next time when they, when they make a new one yeah. that's, you know, even tinier. I'll probably get it. <laughs> yeah. There's rumor there's supposed to be another yeah. one coming out, but that, that doesn't it's, seem it like it's like going to be much. It seems like it's about time. You know, the fall yeah. maybe. Uh, the f- yeah, we'll, we'll see. There, there was code in the in the uh, the TVOS uh, that was uh, saying that there's potentially going to be a new one, which is a good transition. And we appreciate you telling us all about what you have. Is uh, uh, iOS beta? We've made this a topic each week because um, Warren loves to live on the edge uh, and uh, enjoys having every beta that ever comes out the exact minute it comes out it's on every one of his devices so uh to serve your background for you shelly <laughs> uh and uh, uh this week uh they uh, apple released uh, 13.4 beta 3 um and i other than uh the only thing that really stood out that that, that apple was planning which i had in the article in there as well is a potential over the air os recovery for ios based devices which is Pretty awesome. Have you have you noticed anything yet, that Warren? Because I know it's on your phone. It is. I put it on everything. I, I have not <laughs> noticed any differences, and I, I don't think there was even much being reported. Uh, and the over-the-air update thing is uh, obviously not announced. It's just something somebody discovered in the code. It's discovered code, right? Yes. So Apple really hasn't. It's not in any of the in any of the beta notes, right? Right. Oh, definitely not. So. Um, you know, running just as much as uh, the beta before, pretty much. Um, yeah. Nothing blew up. Nothing's on fire. So that's good stuff. Um, yeah. Every. Okay. Go ahead. No. No. Go ahead. I go was ahead. gonna say the uh, over-the-air updates. You know, uh, sounds like a great thing, Ashley. And. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, the big joke is you know that that could happen. Where, you know, my joke is the 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 Apple Watch. And even the HomePod need to be cracked open by Apple's Apple support to to do the same thing. So, you know, it depends on what device you have. But like uh, one time, I put a beta on my watch, and uh, something happened. It didn't break it, but something wasn't working right. And you know, I have the I have the coverage um, Apple Care Plus, and I went to the Apple Store because I had heard that they could you know just get under the the port. There's a hidden port in the Apple Watch. Where you could do the recovery, like uh, like so, mm, same right. as the phone, and they're like, no, 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 we got to send it back to Apple headquarters, and they have to do it in a sealed room because of the whole waterproofing. But so, I mean, it's like the opposite of like yep. a Mac internet update kind of thing. So, oh yeah. So this would be good. Yeah, the- yeah this would be good if they start heading that direction. Uh, and Shelly, have you ever dabbled in beta software? I actually have because when I'm working on my book, the only way that the book can come out in a timely fashion is for me to True. use betas over the summer. And then I always wait till it ships before I release the book. But I do spend a lot of time with betas. And the hard part about the way I use betas, because I don't typically put them on my phone until 
the operating system has shipped, but that's the fun thing about having those iPads is there's always at least one right. guinea pig iPad. And especially with iPad OS this time around, it was great to be able to do that. And sure. I, um, so I can be running two or three different versions of iOS at any given time. Right now, my phone, I think it might be on a beta. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it feels like 13.4 because they're not new things coming out. It feels like they're getting closer to a release, which makes me happy because yeah. I there's some there are some updates in previous betas that I would like to apply to my book and get out to folks so that they can know how to use them. All right. Oh, I forgot to also ask, do you have a HomePod? I don't. Okay, so you don't dabble no. there. We have it all. <laughs> <laughs> I could have predicted what can that. I say? <laughs> yeah, two, two, two. There's a two uh, home pods sitting on uh, one, one on each side next to me here. So all right, now I'm going to switch um, over to the video and look. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. Ah, there we go. Hi, home pod. <laughs> I always forget how uh, little they are. I I always imagined them when I saw them. Uh, at the announcements as being much larger. And I remember going into the Apple store and seeing them the first time and almost walking right by. Yeah. I was like, oh, those are kind of tiny. That's kind of cute. I, I like those little. But the sound, yeah. sound is just awesome. So, but uh, let's uh, go right in and let's talk about your book. You, uh, you, 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 uh, you have an uh, awesome book. I, I, as I said, compliment you at the beginning. I think it's a, just a you know, great book. You have 560 plus pages of, of great information related to accessibility on, on iOS. And, um, I would love to just hear a little bit about the background of the book and, and then just kind of tell us uh, what inspired you to do it. Because I really like the fact that you, you started the book um, on talking about devices, you know, before you dove right into the accessibility. So you, you're, you're really attracting a, a, a good audience besides just accessibility discussion. Um, so what, uh, what inspired you about doing this book? So I've written a lot of books, especially on the Mac platform. Going back a number of years, I worked okay. on, but mostly in the, in the, what we call the mainstream world, not really covering accessibility. I wrote about Adobe Go Live back when that was a thing. I wrote about wireless oh, networks. Wow. I wrote about Macintosh generally. I contributed to several books and read several books about the Mac. I'd never done anything about accessibility, despite the fact that I'm a person with low vision and I've always used some mm. accessibility features on Mac OS and subsequently iOS when they became available, although they haven't always been. So I sort of hacked my own accessibility. And two things kind of happened simultaneously. One was that it became harder to get publishers mm -hmm. to let you write paper books. They're kind of old fashioned. Right. You probably know this. And then the second yep. thing was I started kind of reckoning with accessibility and thinking about, hey, wait a minute, iOS became accessible two years after it was first, after the first iPhone was released in 2009. And so at that point, I started thinking about, well, there's no resource out there that addresses accessibility. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, even comprehensive resources that cover the platform barely mention accessibility. And they certainly don't know how it works because they're usually written by people who are generalists and who are tinkerers and nerds, but who've never used yeah. voiceover in their life. And so as I sort of got interested in the topic and became more acquainted with some people in the accessibility community, there's an accessibility Mac and iOS and, you know, Apple fan community, just as there is out in the mainstream world. Yeah. I said, you know, there's, there's an opening there. There's a place I could write a book. And because publishers yeah. aren't publishing books like that, I'm going to try and self-publish it because why the heck not? And that's how it started. The funny thing is I was planning the book during the iOS 6 cycle. And I thought, oh, wow. well, okay, I'll release it. I was gonna, it was going to be late, but I think it was like early in that year I was going to release it. And I got delayed just because 
I re- the book was much more complicated to put together than I thought it would be. And by the time I was close, iOS 7 was coming around. And the significance of that is that iOS 7, from an accessibility point of view, was mm-hmm. a mess. It was just all the all the getting rid of a skeuomorphism and all of the abstraction yeah. and all of the bright screens. And it was just from a low vision point of view, it was crazy. And so I was writing this, you know, going into this adventure and trying to explain iOS without, you know, a string of four-letter words, which is kind of what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was a really awful yeah. version of iOS. And then when yeah. 7.1 and some of the subsequent releases fixed a lot of those, not all of them, but fixed a number of those problems, I, I said that was the only release of iOS that I knew of that was, I felt like it was specifically done for me because there was just stuff in there that was abominable and uh i and and they fixed it and i got an update out but i've done a book a version of the book for each ios cycle i cover all of the accessibility features it's organized around the different kinds of accessibility so blindness low vision hearing impairment physical and motor disabilities and that was the other thing that was important to me too that it'd be comprehensive because if you Look around on the internet, you'll find a lot of resources for VoiceOver, which is the screen reader for, that blind folks use. But there's so many other accessibility mm. tools in the Apple toolbox. And the only the only time the mainstream press or even the how-to press covers those features is, I guarantee you, if you ever read an article that says secret features of iOS... There will be right. at least they two always... references to the accessibility settings <laughs> because that's that's yeah. how secret they are. Nobody knows how this stuff works. And I said, you know, the people who are using this on a daily basis have just as much right to a detailed, comprehensive resource as anybody who wants to know how to use Siri or the HomePod or Apple TV or anything. And so it kind of got away from me because I was writing this book with initially just the idea of, hey, let's write a little bit about accessibility. And then all of a sudden I just decided we have to write all about accessibility. A little bit isn't enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, even, I even think about accessibility. I remember, yeah, you talk about old versions of iOS. They used to bury it. You'd have to go into general and then you'd have to scroll through and try to find it. It used to be now at the very bottom category. of general. And, yeah. and it, it was it, so yeah. much so that when I, uh, I got to go to WWDC last year and I talked to Sarah Hurlinger, who, oh, awesome. who is the head of accessibility outreach at Apple. And uh, I, I, when I was talking to her about the features, because we had just seen the presentation at WWDC where they actually mentioned accessibility, and one of the things they mentioned was that accessibility mm-hmm. was now a top-level setting. And that was a big enough deal that I brought it up to her. I said, how do you feel about that? And she just smiled, and she's like, that's, that's pretty great. Because it used to be really hard to even find it. Even in the manuals, like even like I believe right. it, there are iOS manuals, and I know people probably think I'm silly for even talking about such a thing, but you can download yeah. a thing that says iOS iPhone user guide, iPad user guide, and accessibility I... used to be in the appendix, and that just offended me. I was just like, really? Come yeah. on, can't we even have a chapter? Yeah, we have a chapter now. We should have a chapter. <laughs> no, I. In fact, you, that's funny. You, you mentioned the the user guides. I always tell we've always we've given this I've given this as tips before that you can just put it on your home uh, create a homepage. Uh, uh, link to it and because it's always sure. updated and if, if something changes it's always going to be there so warren did you have uh, any anything you thought of with accessibility that uh, you wanted to ask and um i just you know to echo some of what she said I, it's a lot of the the features aren't just for you know the people who need them but a lot of them you know help right. help people um you know who, who don't need them and um 
it's good to know that there's a resource out there that Shelly put out that 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 spells them out because again there's there's like you know again you'll see tips and tricks out there and then something will jump out and say wow that's really cool and the settings and accessibility and you say to yourself well yeah no i understand why it's there yeah um but you know maybe apple could put it in another area too for you know just because a lot of people don't think to look there right but but we're, it, it is getting better and uh you know again it's it's uh it's just a great you know thing that uh that Apple is pretty proactive on um, making the, their systems easier for, uh, for for everybody. And uh, I know yeah. in macOS they're doing the same thing. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, it's not the voiceover. What's uh, the thing where you could actually talk to it? That's now. voice control. macOS has yeah. voiceover as well as voice control is a new feature that came to both iOS and macOS this past year. Voiceover has been available on both platforms yeah. for a long time. And and I think it's fair to say that macOS is not as advanced in terms of accessibility as iOS is, but it's still very much usable by somebody uh, with a disability. And I think voice control is, it's funny because Apple did promote that feature and talk about it a lot. And for the people that were at WWDC and sort of saw it, they I think they were, impressed by it but then i actually spent some time using it i spent when i was working on the book i spent a couple weeks just like living in voice control and it's amazing like it's just even as somebody who's not who has doesn't have a physical disability uh, i i used it to you can obviously you can dictate something in uh, you can dictate text but then you can use voice control to correct it dynamically not just like you know backspace over the thing that you're typing but in the third sentence remove the comma or change this yeah. word to that word and there are all sorts of other ways you can use voice control and i actually feel like voice control is one of those things where because it's a brand new feature i didn't even really scratch the surface of the things you sure. could do with it and i feel like there's not a book out there about mac os that takes the same approach that I do. And I, I kind of wish there was. People have asked me to write it yeah. and I don't have that kind of time, but I think voice control is a pretty good argument that that Mac OS is a growing platform for people with accessibility needs. And voice control is actually, it's, I mean, it's, it actually needs some uh, level of learning because when I play with it here right. and there, it's like, it has numbers, right? The, the you know, basically there's numbers uh, on parts of the screen and you're able to, kind of get to those areas uh by by saying the numbers of the line and you know it's not as you know you know if you didn't know what it was in fact i i helped out a couple of uh i do it support and i helped out a couple of people who turned it on by accident and said what what's going on here because it looks like nothing before it to be honest with you so it's, yeah. you know it's it's kind of it does take a little bit of uh of help to to get that uh learned well, I'll uh, honestly, I will definitely say the magnifier has been a godsend. I think uh, it it originally was buried when you didn't know you had. I remember we always had to give tips on how to get that turned on so you can utilize it. And then everybody needs a magnifier, right? I mean, it's always hard to see stuff. I mean, I I do it with the bottles, the pill bottles, or whatever. It's just hard to see things sometimes. Um, I love the fact now it's basically mainstream. You can just set it on your you know on your on your power button, tap it three times, and and it brings up the magnifier. There've always been um, magnification apps for the Mac for the iOS. Sorry, there've always been magnification right. apps for iOS. Some of which are right. just as good as magnifier. But the advantage magnifier has is, like you say, you can 
access it with accessibility shortcut and it's on your control center screen. And I think their features, magnifier is one, zoom is another one, anything to do with making stuff bigger, where a lot of people who don't necessarily think of themselves as somebody who uses accessibility, anybody who's getting a little older is going to benefit from those features. And I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody say, well, you're the accessibility person. Tell me how to make such and such a thing bigger, whether it's text or whether it's a map. And I, there's a lot, there are a lot of those features that people kind of know exist, but because they're behind that accessibility uh, setting, they may not Mm -hmm. know where to look or how to interact with them. Yeah. Um, and you know, voiceover, I, I have not, I have not, uh, tried, but, uh, it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's pretty comprehensive. I'm I, again, I'm impressed of what Apple has done. I mean, it, voiceover, anybody who needs voiceover is, a, is kind of a learning curve, but I will also yeah, say it that like it. it's, it's really ingenious. If you, th- the, the level of detail and the, the amount of stuff you can do with voiceover, you can, Again, you you can be interactive with text. You can type. There's a thing called, there are a couple of typing modes called touch typing and direct touch typing that use autocorrect to help somebody type on the virtual keyboard without vision and do a pretty darn good job of it. And touch typing is uh, a little easier. And then direct touch typing, I, I basically call mm. it skydiving mode because you just start typing on glass and magically most of what you type turns into what you intend for it to type if you're good at it. And so voiceover is not just here's an alternative that will speak everything that's on screen, but there's intelligence built in that makes it easy for somebody to get better at voiceover over time and be a real power user, especially on an iPad. I know a lot of people who are voiceover users uh, on iPads who can just type like the wind, they also use a feature called Braille screen input. So if they're more comfortable typing mm-hmm. in Braille than in, in text, uh, they can do that as well. And uh, those are, you know, those amount to power user features because somebody who's just getting acquainted with voiceover would be incredibly lost and frustrated. And one of the things I try to do in the book is kind of ease people in because new voiceover users are often very timid about the device. Maybe they haven't used an iPhone before. Maybe they're newly blind. Maybe they don't understand that a a single tap needs to turn into a double tap and that there are all these alternative gestures. And so one of the things I do is I spend a lot of time saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. Don't worry if you make a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, and it sounds a little bit, I don't want to say it's hand-holding, but I feel like for the audience, kind of walking people through that stuff slowly when they haven't had the experience ends up benefiting them. And then once people have their legs under them, then I turn, turn them loose and I say, all right, now go try d- direct touch typing and try Braille screen input and all these power user features. And I've gotten pretty good feedback about it. So I, I think it's an approach that tends to work. Yeah, I really, and I really like under physical motor. I like the fact that with the Apple TV remote, uh, the keyboards and the AirPods, um, they've really enhanced a lot of those the uses of those devices too. Yeah, the AirPods have this live listen feature, so you can essentially use your yeah. AirPods as kind of a well. You're using the microphone of your iOS device as kind of a hearing aid. So if you put the AirPods in and then put your iPhone on a table, then you can point the microphone at the person across from you in a in a loud restaurant, for example, and you can have the microphone feedback into your AirPods, and so it'll give you a little bit of boost. Even if you're not a hearing aid user, you can you can benefit from the AirPods in that way. Yeah, and uh, 
Uh, and there's also the, the Siri and, uh, and shortcuts. Those, those uh, they've come obviously a long way for that. Yeah, and we've Siri, talked about that before. Where, where is it in accessibility? Shortcuts has always been accessible. I mean, what workflow was before shortcuts even came along was very accessible. And so there were a lot of people who were uh, just, you know, tinkerers the way any of us who love our iOS devices and want to do the most we can uh, with them. What was great for voiceover users was that the workflow was accessible and that sort of followed on to when shortcuts came along. And then Apple also in the shortcuts app, in the shortcuts gallery, there is an accessibility section. So there are a whole bunch of mm. shortcuts yeah. that Apple has put together, some of which are oriented toward using accessibility features. And then some of them are more focused on something somebody with a disability uh, might want to do in terms of like automating, sending a, a message requesting help or putting a contact on the home screen so that it's easy to get to an emergency services or a caregiver or something like that. But, but Apple has, you know, organized shortcuts in such a way that you can find some that have to do with your disability if you want. The, in, in part three of your book, you've you talked about um, uh, the, uh, the control and managing your device, and uh, uh, anything else in deep deep in there that you had, that had touched upon that that you wanted to share with the uh, listeners about uh, what's 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 different in there. Um, well, that section, the book has kind of changed over time. Initially, the most important parts of the book were the chapters that had to do with specific accessibility types like uh, like voiceover and low vision and hearing impairment and all that. And then I realized there's a whole bunch of iOS that I wasn't talking about. And I would say things like, well, this is beyond the scope of this book, yeah. but blah, blah, blah. And then I realized that a lot of what people were going to want to learn was system level stuff, how to use notification center, how to use control oh, center, okay. how to use privacy and screen time and all the things that Apple keeps adding because every time they do an iOS version, they add stuff. And so I made a chapter that covers all of those system level things. So things that you're, anything you're doing that's not part of an app, manage, managing home screen, managing folders, doing notifications, control center. And then what I do is I describe how those features work, but where it's relevant, I put an accessibility spin on it. So I will okay. say, at notification center, here's the gesture, but if you're a voiceover user, here's the way to do it instead. And then that part also now has an iPad OS chapter. I was going to ask about because, that. As they say. Apple keeps adding stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so what I try to do in chapters that aren't specifically about an accessibility feature is explain how the feature works generally. And then I remind people of the accessibility stuff they've learned elsewhere in the book. And I say, well, if you're a voiceover user, well, here's how, here's the way that you're going to have to do it differently than you would otherwise. Now, what did you find in, in, I, in iPad OS uh, when they released that of uh, any uh, improvements I could say or? changes uh, accessibility. The challenge the challenge was that multitasking in iPad OS is still wonky and it's wonky for I mean I like it it's fun but from a voiceover perspective it absolutely works there's nothing you can't do with iPad OS multitasking in voiceover but the gestures are different and not always intuitive and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out well, how do you explain expose and how do you explain the new way that you get to slide over and split view and, and how to do multiple windows from the same app. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't use that stuff often enough that, mm. that I can even remember chapter and verse, but I, it, I took me a while to kind of figure out the way to approach that chapter. There's a lot of other great stuff in there about uh, using uh, about keyboard stuff, about sidecar, 
Uh, I tried to hit all the sort of high spots of iPad OS, but again, put an accessibility spin on it. Okay, um, and and then um, I I we, we we usually have app picks, and I was going to say I, you have a great chapter on um, the best accessibility apps as well as the access to all the Apple apps. Did you want to uh, kind of start give us a little bit of what your thoughts were as far as apps and what 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 are, what are good? Uh, let's see. If you can I think mean, of some, <laughs> don't so put you on the spot there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up my phone. I'm going to see what's on the home screen today. The thing is, a lot of there's 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 always new stuff, right. but then there's there are always old standbys too that are just wonderful. And I'll, I guess I'll talk about a few apps that maybe people who aren't accessibility users won't have heard mm. of. There's a great set of apps called the Voice Stream apps: Voice Stream Reader, Voice Stream Writer, and Voice Stream Scanner. And I want to talk specifically about Voice Stream Re- Reader and Voice Stream Scanner. They weren't really intended as accessibility apps, but they became accessibility apps because they were so useful. What VoiceStream Reader will do is basically take any sort of text input you give it, whether it's an article from the web, from something like Pocket or Instapaper or from the Safari reading list, or even a PDF or a Word doc, anything that you send it through the share sheet, mm-hmm. and it will read it to you, and you can control it with it audio, and it you can control the voice, you can control the speaking rate, you can control the visual highlight that you see. It's just a great reading app, and I use it as my sort of read later service. And so I send stuff to VoiceStream, uh-huh. and then when I'm on my commute home, I I listen to it, and it's great. VoiceStream scanner for for people with blindness and visual impairment. Scanning is the way you get a lot of text into your device so that you can process it. So if you once you scan it with OCR, yeah. you can then have it read to you with audio. And VoiceStream Scanner is just a really incredibly good scanning app because there have always been scanning apps that were voiceover compatible. Some of them are better than others. Yeah. And we've just gotten to the point now where there, there are a couple of previous apps that were really great that were very expensive. But, but VoiceStream Scanner is just a really great, affordable almost instantaneous scanning app okay um so we, uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely put in the show notes some of the things that you had in the, in the book uh relating to those uh, those apps and such uh, warren did you have uh, anything accessibility apps and any other things you wanted to add uh, no i've been avoiding the stock and the, the stocks app and the bitcoin app this week <laughs> So. <laughs> okay. I avoid those. About, oh, yeah, with, with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, and just it's not a good week to check this. Yeah, but other than that, no. Um, I, I don't know if um, Dave told you. Obviously, why would he? But uh, I, I started a new full-time job this week, so I'm starting to get back into um, some of the productivity apps that I haven't used in a while. And uh, Microsoft Teams yeah. is, a, is a good one. It's uh, one that uh, we're heavy in um, uh, at, at the place I'm in, and it, it does a lot more than I thought, you know, initially that it does. So it's uh, yeah, for for business use, you could make uh, you could make calls, you could join meetings, you could uh, you do a whole bunch of things Think, with it. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah. isn't that used what used to be Skype for business? That it's more than that. It's right? more than it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, but it's yeah, they kind of. They incorporated a whole bunch of uh, technologies into the one app. Yeah, much, I, so. if you don't know either, Shirley, uh, uh, Shelly, I do. Uh, I'm an IT support uh, professional for almost 20 years at a company here. So, uh, so I 
I've been dealing with that for a long time. Yeah, Microsoft. I think well, why don't I? We have to, why don't we have to have a discussion about Teams? Because uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of training and such on that stuff. So um, and who knows? We might even be able to talk put an iOS angle onto it. So uh, and it, it, yeah, it's more in the corporate than than it is uh, uh, for consumer. But uh, I think they're trying to they, they compete with Slack. If you're familiar with Slack. Uh, Sure. Oh yeah, lots of I'm I've got entirely too many Slack yeah. communities. Let's not talk yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, I think Microsoft really is trying to tap into that market with um when it comes to uh um when it comes to that and uh, I think they got they got, they got a good contender. It's it's been a great product in, in for enterprise what I've been working with so far and um, this the short time Warren's looked at it. So um and and yeah, and, and just in, just in terms of a tortured segue, I I think I'll say that that Microsoft has actually done a really yeah. great job with accessibility over the past few years. They have invested money and they've hired a lot of people who use accessibility. They've even, there used to be a screen reader that was part of Windows called Narrator that was very terrible. It is no longer terrible. It is not the screen reader that you want to use primarily, but they've also done a lot with low vision. Most of their apps are quite accessible. I say most because Skype is still weird because it's a web app, but I and and of course the Xbox uh, controller, the adaptive controller that allows folks with physical disabilities yeah. to do gaming, and it's funny because people always ta ask me, well, you know, as Apple's great in accessibility, right? And they sort of want me to confirm for them, isn't Apple the best company ever? <laughs> and what I always say is, Apple is doing a great job. They honestly aren't innovating as quickly as say a company like Microsoft yeah. because Microsoft came from further behind, and Apple is not falling down on the job by any means, but there are now other companies out there that have good accessibility stories to tell. And that's great because when I hear you talk about something I'm not familiar with, like very much like, like Microsoft Teams mm -hmm. or saying, my first thought is how accessible is it? But because it's modern and because it's Microsoft and because I know people who work inside Microsoft that I'm sure have to use mm -hmm. it, I'm pretty sure that's accessible to them. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're, I'm looking at uh, also a new a new service that's going to be for enterprise. I don't know if it's going to go out to the consumer world. It's called uh, Microsoft Stream, and uh, what that is is going to allow you to be able to like in, in the case of Microsoft Teams, you can record a session, let's say a meeting. You have an hour plus meeting that you record, um, and then um, as soon as it finishes recording and the meeting ends, it'll automatically upload it up to Microsoft Stream, which is basically like an internal YouTube, um, and so then that video uh, will automatically upload which is accessible on an ios device too as you can watch it um but the cool thing about it is is the fact that it has a, a it shows who's speaking at the time of each time during the entire hour or whatever session it is so you can click it right where um where that person's speaking go right to that porch part of the video to be able to and that of course is great for accessibility for somebody who has a hearing exactly. impairment or just anybody who wants to follow the the audio, the the thread of the content rather than the, the audio stream necessarily. Exactly. So, um, but I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, Microsoft has really done a great job in in, in, in the iOS side of things too. Uh, Outlook, for instance, Outlook is uh, now has a um, uh, is now now has a voice reader. So it'll it'll actually in in because you know in the enterprise, uh, well you probably don't know, but in the enterprise they you know they do they do quite a bit of locking down. So you have to you know pretty much be uh, in in the world of what the enterprise requires but when when you uh, bring up uh, uh bring up outlook at the very bottom there it says uh play my emails and it says three minutes so it'll go through and it'll actually read the emails to you right from within outlook 
that's nice. That's a nice yeah. touch. I yeah, like they it. really so they really have added that because because uh, I had a lot. Of, I had some of my users were asking me why is this here, and I didn't even have it on my phone yet because Microsoft was releasing releasing it in stages. Uh, so it uh, it finally came out, and yeah, it's pretty cool that 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 they did that and and they added that. So, um, but uh, anyway. Let's uh, go into a couple of tips I had here that I wanted to talk about really quick. Um, uh, I, on the iPhone, how do you, do you actually send um, handwritten messages, iMessages? Warren, have you done this before? Uh, no, I have not. You have not? Come on. All the things you've done? Handwritten messages? Yeah. No, I've never had the, uh, never had the uh, desire to handwrite a message. <laughs> On my iOS device, unfortunately. So, um, but uh, sounds like sounds like yeah. fun. So, if you uh, go to the messages app and you find, you know, obviously go in and do a message, uh, you tap in the text field uh, where it, uh, uh, where you want to start typing the message. Um, you put the iPhone into landscape mode orientation, and it works the same way on iPad in, in either way. And then you can there's there actually is the handwriting message, the handwriting icon at the bottom, and gives you the option to be able to do script um, handwriting messages or within the, in, in there instead of uh, doing uh, uh, instead of uh, typing it in, and it saves it. I don't know if you if you've seen that before, Shelley. My handwriting is terrible. I got a phone so that I wouldn't yeah. ever have to handwrite anything again. <laughs> well, I thought I'd throw this tip out here because I thought it was something go, kind of cool. So it, it is. Well, and actually, there's a there's an accessibility handwriting feature. There are some people for yeah. whom it's actually if they know printed characters, even if they're a Braille user, uh, they can actually write those printed characters on screen, and iOS will recognize them and essentially do OCR on the fly. And I thought that was a ridiculous feature, to be quite yeah. honest, but I know people who love it and who, you don't necessarily write all your emails in it, but it's actually a great way to type, uh, like if you're searching for something yeah. and you want to just enter a search term and you, you, you write S with your finger and T and A and whatever. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a secret, secret yeah. feature, but it's part secret. of voiceover. Um, right. Warren, I, I know you. Have, I, keep, I have to pick on you because uh, we, we, we've been talking, and you haven't had to be able to say much. But uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, I'm learning. I'm yeah, learning. we all are. We, we all are. That's why this is great. Uh, this, this next tip was how to add text to photos on an iPhone, and iPad with markup. Have you done that before? I have. All right, so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you run with this one. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I'm on the spot. Um, I need to open the article. So you take that while I get that article open. So it, it brings up the photo where you actually can make markups um, using. Uh, yeah, I, want, I just, yeah, I want to bring up the actual article so I could kind of go through it. But no, go ahead. Because uh, my computer shut down. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so. Uh, it gives the, it gives you the option just like you can on uh, on screenshots where you can actually go into the markup mode and, and it allows you there's a lot of icons and you can add text you can put a signature you could put a magnifier which is awesome um, and actually it it creates a magnification of the um, actual photo I'm trying to magnify something um, and then in this case you can put text and you actually can type in text and you know if you want if you want to make a note on a photo you can um and it's a really cool feature i don't know if uh, uh if you've used this before Shelley. not a lot it's it's a lot like having preview on ios or on mac os yeah. because you can to put 
put uh, arrows and circles and uh, text and all those kinds of things or, or the kinds of the ways you might want to mark up a PDF. And I don't personally have much use for that, sure. but uh, I'm, I think it's really cool that Apple has made that a part of iOS. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last tip I wanted to talk about today was um, in this. Uh, it was oh, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it because it's up. I got, my, I got my thing up. <laughs> we just we actually just talked about <laughs> this. We, we actually just talked about this <laughs> a little while ago about uh, saving the, uh, the 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 manual for uh, for uh, for iOS uh, and uh, iPhone. So there you go. So this is how to add a website to the home screen. So if you want to create an icon on your uh, home screen uh, on iPad or iPhone. What you do is you open up Safari on your iPad or iPhone. Uh, you navigate the website you want to go to. Uh, and then you hit the share icon, which is basically the nice the share sheet. box with the, yeah, with the arrow pointing out the share sheet. And then you scroll down and you find the one that says add to home screen. And then uh, you give it a name. Uh, generally, you'll give it a name that's uh, either the website or something that would uh, identify where you're trying to go. And uh, that's it. And then you got a nice little icon on the home screen that will take you right to the website. And Absolutely. And I know, Shell, you've used this before. <laughs> I've done that. Actually, I do that for Facebook because I don't want Facebook sure. app on my phone. And occasionally I need to go to Facebook on my phone, but not very often. Yeah. And so that's, and it's also nice because it, it takes the icon. If there's a favicon for that website, so it's easy to spot that F. Like, oh, well, that's Facebook. So, can, can I tell you a funny story about the share? Oh, icon, please do. Though? I so my mom has a macular degeneration, age related, and mm -hmm. she has an iPad. That's her computing device, and I was so happy that I could get her an iPad rather than a computer because I was really afraid that she just wouldn't be able to handle mm -hmm. it. But I am, of course, her tech support, and so there was a point at which she wanted to. I can't remember if it was attached something to mail or print something she wanted to do that required her to go to a share sheet from uh, mail. And I said, go to the share icon. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, the share icon. And I realized I needed to explain not only where that icon was, but what it was. And I, I find it interesting when you have an icon that you've seen forever and you just intuitively know what it means, mm -hmm. but then you have to describe what it looks like. And you're like, okay, why do I say, okay, that's the one with the arrow pointed downward in the rectangle. Okay, I got it. And then I, I subsequently wrote some like, documentation for her to teach her how to use her printer and it's just funny having to describe icons in words rather than just pointing at them or knowing what their names are yeah no it's uh definitely that 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 can be a challenge and uh yeah that that was great that was great Dave and I know yeah that too, right? it, yeah i mean being it support we, yeah we both sometimes have to draw pictures yep. of what we're talking sure. about and things like uh, that so. i i did i took like uh photos I, I didn't do this in ios although i could have i took photos of her printer's control panel and then i put them into this pages document i made and then i pointed big red arrows you know this button <laughs> is this is what this button does and so i had it looked like I had used markup because I had arrows going all over the page by the time I was done. That's and okay. she just looked at it and she was not as impressed as I wanted her to be with all the work I had done. <laughs> That's right. So Shelly Gus, this, the, our, our time has gone past so quickly here. We had uh, just a great, great show here. And um, I wanted to do to make, give you opportunity to tell everybody uh, where to go and how to purchase your book. Sure thing. Well, thank you so much for having oh, me. First absolutely. of all, it was, it was a lot this of fun. Was fun. Um, 
I my book is available from my website, which is iosaccessbook.com. You can buy the book directly from me in EPUB format or in PDF format. There is also a download that costs a little bit more where you can get both formats because some people like both. Don't know why, but they do. You can also buy it from the Apple Bookstore, which is, of course, a PDF book. It's basically the same book you would buy from me. You buy it from me. I get a little more money, but it's entirely up to you. taking that little percent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they get their 30%. But all the buy buttons are on the website. Uh, On the website, too, is a full table of contents as well as a free sample chapter which is the chapter that covers siri and shortcuts so there's a lot of information on the website about the book if you don't know whether you want to buy it or not all right great and then where where can everybody find you uh, on the out in the the world of internet I'm on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Got that, in really that's early. That's great. I also do some podcasts. Oh, yeah. I do a show on Relay FM called Parallel, and you can find that at relay.fm slash parallel. We talk about technology with an accessibility sort of focus. We call it accessibility sprinkles. So I usually have a guest from the mainstream tech world and nice. then somebody from the accessibility tech world, and, and we kick it around. So parallel and uh, i also tend to get pop up on other people's podcasts i guess i should plug the max accessibility roundtable which okay. is a long-running podcast it's not my show but i was invited to be a panelist several years ago and it is a bi-weekly show covering all things apple from a blindness and accessibility perspective and that's at maxaccessibility.net awesome so you're you're everywhere that's great we're i'll, I'll oh, yes. make sure we have a link on in our show notes for every every podcast that, that we can listen to i'm definitely uh, i was absolutely thrilled that you made it on the show warren did you want to add anything else um just that it was uh, an incredible uh, experience listening to her that was yeah. uh, very good and you know it, it's it's important so it i mean it's it's you know it's it's nice to hear people talking about tech that really makes a difference and i appreciate it and it was a pleasure shows all right. Well, thanks again. Yes. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, thanks. And this is a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address, feedback at intouchwithios.com. You can follow us on Twitter at intouchwithios. You can uh, subscribe in your favorite podcatcher, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Bert. Even better yet, go to our website at intouchwithios.com where all the links to all the places to listen to us are there. And I am Dave Ginsburg. You can find me on Twitter at DaveG65. I forgot to ask you, Warren, where are I going to find you? It doesn't matter. Continue on. It does matter. Please tell everybody. Uh, all right. I am... Um, <laughs> Come on. Uh, I'm, usually on, I'm usually on Facebook. I'm, uh, I, I uh, run a uh, page called Mac to the Future, yes. which is a really nice Facebook group. 3,500 uh, strong. Facebook thing. Yep. So if you're into it, if you're not into Facebook, it's okay. We still, uh, we would still welcome you, but we can't because you're not on Facebook. But um, <laughs> it's a it's a fun group. We talk about technology. We talk about uh, uh, everything that you know we want that's related, uh, mostly Apple stuff. And yep. we try to uh, be inclusive, but you know we'll make fun of you a little bit if you don't like. It. <laughs> um, yes, and we've done plenty of that. <laughs> Yes, we did that a lot of times. Uh, I did the uh, In Touch with iOS show with uh, Mr. David Ginsburg um, that you're hearing now. And I am maybe on Twitter at WSKLAR. All right. Thanks again, Charlie, for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank and, you. Uh, th- and everybody out there, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you again soon.